suppose we should start the show. Oh, yeah, it's the that show. just be the show. It's, it's nice. Gotta talk about fucking dead people and stuff. <laughs> that was here recording on monday just like every other monday from the last few years not sure why you'd ask such a strange question about us not recording on monday no idea what you're even talking about we've been here all along just a couple of podcasters with good brains all functioning just fine never missing a single beat my name is bob sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori is here too. How you doing tonight, Lori? Are we going to talk about ice cream? Are we going to talk about ice cream? That's how Lori's doing. Tonight is Wednesday, not a Monday at all. May the 17th. 2023 my brother duncan's birthday Aww. oh Didn't look at that happy birthday, happy birthday duncan it's a uh, beautiful day in charlottesville just got back half an hour ago or so from umpiring a little league game not not coaching tonight but umpiring another game in our league oh how did i go it went just fine i don't think i really blew any calls have you don't have you uh i don't know how long you've been doing this umpiring but have you uh faced the wrath of any parents one day is how long yeah one day is my no kidding not not since like the seventh grade or something was the last time i umpired a, i mean that's not true i've umpired spottily in this oh, league no. just like anything at a time here or there but uh this is my first full game uh, in a while and yeah i mean you get like a little side eye from the from the coach, if you if it went against them or something like that, and I had like one moment tonight where I let slightly too long of a beat go before I rung a kid up on a strikeout, and I felt bad about that. Uh, but it was definitely a strike, so it was fine. Was there a reaction to that delay? No, not really. Okay. I mean, whatever. This is not I, I this was, is uh, not a high stakes thing. I was umpiring okay. against the like, like for the other two for two of the minor league teams in our same minor league so i sort of know both the coaches and we just sort of step in and umpire for each other's games when we're available uh, they're all buddies they chit chat the whole game it's cute oh that's good yeah did uh let's see and then of course we weren't here on monday because of uh, more baseball stuff but boy just baseball a couple more galore. weeks to oh, go oh wait the people need to hear the ending of the game, don't they? Did we talk about the no. other game? No, we didn't talk about it. I don't even know what... I know you just said that it's Wednesday, so I believe you, but I I don't truly know that it's Wednesday. But we didn't talk about it, so never mind. Right, because the people have never heard about this game. There was a really thrilling uh, Major League Baseball game. Not Major League as in like the Braves and the Yankees or what have you, but uh, Calvin's team played last Friday a game against the best team in the league, the uh, undefeated team in the league, the team that will represent our fine little league in the citywide playoffs here in a couple of weeks. And 
short story of a long story is that we get to the sixth inning down by a bunch of runs. We score 15 runs to take a four-run lead in the top of the sixth. We, we score 15 runs to take a four-run lead. Uh, and they go into the bottom of the sixth, get a quick out, and then put two runners on. And then the game is, is halted, suspended on account of darkness. Uh, and we need to postpone the finishing of that game until uh, the following Monday, which was this uh, past Monday. Question. Uh, wh- what happened? Like, was the game not scheduled? <laughs> I mean, do they not know when the sun's going to go down? Like- well, when you, when you have a 15-run inning... Okay. Uh, it, it tends to extend things. It lasted longer than anyone thought. Yeah. Also, so it, it was Friday, so people wanted, like, you don't need to get to school tomorrow. Like, Fridays gotcha. are my favorite because people are not itching to get out of there. Right. It was a super right. cloudy, very low sky, very cloudy night. So it went from being, like, sun up, everything fine because all of the clouds are lit up. But when that sun goes down below the horizon and it's a cloudy night, there's just not when any light. When the sun sets is yeah, what the, they the refer to. Sets. When the sun okay. sets. Not enough light anymore. So we went from right. being like totally fine one minute to, oh, wow, this is rather suddenly quite dangerous the next minute. So we had to call it uh, okay. at that point. Anyway, so we're leading 17-13 with a run, one out and two runners on. And like just it, unbelieving that I have to wait the whole weekend to <laughs> to get the final two outs against this team that we absolutely did not expect to beat, if we're being perfectly honest uh, with one another. And we come back on Monday evening. Uh, we got to play this team again. It was a Friday and a Monday game against the same team. So we're just going to finish the first game. Uh, as quickly as possible. Outs. Just need two outs. There were right. there was one on first, one on third, and one out. So right. So just we need two outs. Get up there. Uh, I, my pitcher goes out there, throws one pitch, an absolute frozen rope line drive towards my shortstop, who reaches out, shifts slightly towards the second base bag, and stabs it and and gets the first out or the second out in the inning at that point. So one pitch. And now we're at two outs, and it's like, oh, man, oh, man, what's going to happen? Oh, boy. And uh, uh, three pitches later, so it's a four-pitch inning, uh, another hot shot up the middle. My shortstop, who's our best defender on the team, uh, by a, I, mean, I, I don't want to say by a wide margin, but our most consistent, natural-looking ball player, uh, again, uh, goes up the middle, makes a great play, steps on the bag at second base. And that's the ball game. It was, was very uh, fast. Quite thrilling. Wow. So, and then we lost the next game 17-2. to two. Right, And then we got our asses handed to us. But but it was a <laughs> tremendous victory. They're so lost. They were so happy with themselves. I was very happy as well. Oh, that's good. Uh, but that's the that's the Little League Baseball. Did you get into anything fun this weekend, Abe, that's worth mentioning at the top? No, but uh, you, you, you've mentioned uh, Monday a couple times now. Like in a, few, in a couple of months, like I, I'll, we'll need to do this recording on a night that's not Monday, because um, one of my uh, one of my friends, like he's got like a kid, and the kid is now of age where like he's into wrestling, and so we're gonna go to like Monday Night Raw. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're gonna oh, go you see live like, from wrestling. Now on. Yeah, yeah. Do they like tour? Too. Or are they gonna they're gonna be like in Gwinnett or something? Or I think it's the Phillips or whatever it's called, State Farm. Uh, oh wow, like big arena city. down there yeah. in downtown. Yeah. But no, it's weird. I just haven't watched wrestling in many, many years, so I don't even know if like some old geezers are still hanging around. Like, oh, it's a Hulkster. I'm still. Are you? I doubt that. Are you gonna? <laughs> are you gonna read like the? You gotta start reading the blogs or whatever That's they right. do to 
<laughs> so you can stay up on the current drama. I'm sure there's like a YouTube recap page somewhere, but uh, I'll, 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 I'll be familiar with all the different costumes and stuff by then. It's one of those things that's always existed, and it's always existed basically completely outside of my consciousness. Like I've known – like because when we were kids, of course, wrestling was a big deal. But if you didn't watch it, it right. you didn't really ever have to interact with it. Like I think there was a Hulk Hogan like – there was a was there a cartoon or something, and then he had he had some movies. He did the yeah. movies, and so oh, like the Hulk Hogan movies, was sort yeah. of part of the culture, and like you sort of know who the Macho Man is and that sort of right. stuff. But right. like you can, there's this huge subculture of professional oh, wrestling that huge. you can be just utterly, completely unaware of if you choose to be. Right, you could say I, that about literally anything now, but back then that was rare. Yeah, it was rare for something to be so well known that it does exist, but right. never see it. Right, it's a very weird genre. Like it's just it's like this weird, like fake. It's so sport. fucking weird. <laughs> right, it's just. <laughs> it's just but it's, when I was young, I was like, oh, that's pretty like cool. The gayest thing. It makes What's a that? lot of. It, it, she said it's the gayest thing. It is up there. It is pretty it's gay. So uh. it's just big burly dudes being dramatic in and posturing. Yeah. It's not even. It's weird because it's not even precisely gay in any recognizable way. Like nothing. Uh, it is. I mean, it's it's extremely homoerotic. Obviously, right. that's. I guess that's what it is. It's the most homoerotic thing that I think ever has existed. It's just that, so uh, theatrical and and just like lots of shiny skin, ew, and like it's just such a dude thing. It's so weird. Yeah, it's a very dude thing. Uh, there was that uh, episode of South Park where like the kid got into wrestling and basically the whole thing was like pro wrestling is kind of like soap opera for dudes, you know, like they'll yeah. occasionally wrestle, but most of the time they're telling a story. Oh, the Sunday I will, uh, you know, dethrone you or whatever. Like this is whole back and forth. And what's funny is like like some people would say that you're just following politics and it's the same thing as like it's it's just what you're into versus what these other right. people are into and like you no know, judgment or whatever. But fuck that. Like I don't follow politics for <laughs> this stupid internecine drama nonsense right. of it. Right? right. Like none of that appeals to me in any way. And in fact, I despise that part of it. So I don't. Right. Also, it's it's not a fair comp. I mean, pro wrestling would be more like you know trash TV or whatever. You know, just like some guilty pleasure yeah, it's thing. Like sports it's or soap opera or right. reality like Kardashian stuff. Right, like that sort of thing. Oh, uh, not Monday, but on Friday, I almost forgot. I uh, played poker with uh, some friends, uh, Tyler and friends. Um, nice, and, Tyler, and, a longtime friend of the show, listener. Yeah, arguably, that's right. From yeah, time Tyler, to time. and heading out. Out, out west to one of those places with the thing, the national park. Good description. Uh, Great. Yes. Yeah, he makes a seasonal <laughs> pilgrimage. Like he spends half the year in Georgia and half the year in out west Yosemite? in national parks. Yosemite? Yeah, yeah, something like places. that. Uh, anyways, uh, the only time I play poker nowadays is just like whenever Tyler uh, has a game at uh, his buddy's place. And uh, it is always the case that I open strong. It's the same thing from like 20 years ago. Like I will have a lot of chips. And then and then I will lose. Like it it it's like the same. But do sequence you think? Are you trying to win the whole time? I am. Yes. I mean, I'm trying I to win. I don't believe you. I, I, I am. Think, like, no, you're I, not. I, I think it's like uh, when you're playing a lot uh, against a lot of people, your my limited scam is effective. 
but when you're playing against one other person, the right. scam falls apart. It's hard to get a read on Abe in a in a crowd of people, but you <laughs> you sit down across the table from Abe, and it's just you and him, and you're like, wait hey, a minute, <laughs> you figure it out pretty quick, <laughs> and then the wheels just come off. But uh, I'll get better at this. Like I game. believe your text was. Uh, the, you texted us something about how you had an insurmountable, uh, had an lead. In- insurmountable lead throughout the night, and that was all you'd said. And I, I finished the statement by saying, "And then you lost, right?" Like it, it's the only answer. Yes. Where uh, knowing you and knowing your poker history is right. insurmountable lead throughout the night actually means that you uh, definitely lost. Right. Yeah. It almost goes without saying. That's why I didn't even mention it because it's just like you know how that story ends. Oh, uh, anyway, just to close the loop on my stupid open there, uh, Diane Feinstein is uh, is utterly not with it, and oh, it is man. completely obvious now. Uh, she came back to the Senate. I think it she was, was over there all a week. along. As it turns out, uh, I think uh, that's a mischaracterization. She was there all along. Right. So she was uh, in in reality in in the real world. She left the Senate a few months ago to go uh, recover from shingles, was what her office said, and uh, which is like that adult chicken pox thing or something like that. Are you suggesting that she did not have it? Her I office don't know. Said- Maybe she did. <laughs> I'm suggesting it's entirely believable that she has no idea that she had it, if she had, in fact, had it. Uh, Although so that would be re- preferable to, like, she doesn't know, She she's not... In a present state of mind, like I don't know what other way you can word it, like where she's like physically fine. I mean, for like an almost ninety year old, but like she's just not there. There, so we're gonna give her some. She's time. like she's like physically fine. Abe says as she's been wheeled around the Senate and around Washington <laughs> D.C. for the last week and a half. Uh, but right. yes, physically Every totally ableist, fine. Ableist Bob. Everybody can't be Jimmy Carter. I mean, like wheeled around around ninety. That's typical. You know, that's not unusual. Yeah, Fair, fine. be physically fine she'd been and gone, still be in a wheelchair. She'd been gone for months and returned to the Senate last week, and there was all these stories about, you know, she's back and she's voting and she's she's going to help the Democrats. They need every vote to confirm judicial nominees and all of that sort of thing. And she met with reporters, which was not a smart move by her staff, it was allowing almost her— almost necessary, right? Are they going to hide the 90-year-old? Yes, forever? they're going to hide the 90-year-old <laughs> if they, they know do with Joe Biden. What the fuck they're doing? <laughs> and in a in a in a little room with a few reporters, this is according to Slate, she said no when when asked uh, if she'd been working remotely and it, like you know, back in the Senate, have you have you been working remotely? Uh, while you were out, she said, no, I've been here. I've been voting. She shot back. You either know or don't know. Uh, a little sass. Yeah, a little, a little sassy for somebody who's missed uh, nearly 100 votes in the last couple of months. Uh, you don't lose everything all at once, as it turns out. Like, uh, that sticks with me. Yeah. So it, it's very sad, I think, in an it, obvious yes. sort of way. and right. In a human way, yes. Obviously, also hilarious. There, there still is no mechanism to remove. It's not like you know, like uh, the occasionally honest uh, George Santos, like uh, otherwise lies all the time. Like you know, there's like a process to remove him because like there's a charge. You know, there's like you did something, and maybe we can. The kick Senate you out. could give her the boot. 
I know, but like on what ground? I mean, what sort of precedent was it? Just old? Like, let's do that man, uh, woman, I, camera non test? Non compass like mentis or whatever that fucking bullshit <laughs> Latin is. Like you, you, you believe you've been here for the last three months. You've been in California for the last three months. Sorry. Thank you for your service. That would be like there should be like one. We can ask you one question, and the 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 people on her political side can f generate the question, and she would still not get it right. Like it's like I am so confident that she's not aware of what's happening. Anyone can ask any question. Like what day is today? What is your name? And if she gets it right, she's in. Gets it wrong, she's out. Should be something like that. It's not like it's the Joe Biden thing where they have to hand him big oversized note cards with like size 60 font that has the questions on it ahead of time with the pronunciation of the reporter's names because and he can't actually yeah. he can't actually see into the second row of the press right. gaggle so he just has to be told who the fuck is out there and what the question is going to be because he right. also can't really hear probably what the question is I think uh, they're hearing they got tools for that I mean the vision maybe but maybe. you don't think he's got like a machine and let's not just leave it on the democrats like uh, you know, plenty of old republicans too but you know, like Chuck Grassley is pretty sharp. Chuck Grassley seems pretty sharp, and, right? and that's for why like, he's the same age as what's her, uh, as Feinstein, almost the same age. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's different for everybody. I would it is it would be my preference that Chuck Grassley hadn't recently won. Didn't he recent? Did he not recently win yeah, another? Uh, yeah, because he's term? basically yeah. gonna be there until like his early nineties or whatever. Right. There's a difference there, and it's not a sexist difference to note that uh, Feinstein shouldn't be the senator from California anymore. And it sounds silly, but it is important that the most populous country or the most populous state in the country is represented by people who are, in fact, uh, cognitively aware of their surroundings and know what's going on in their own lives. I mean, it, it, it must matter, right? We cannot, we cannot just be in a situation where we elect the name of the person to the, the Senate or to the presidency or whatever, and as we just ignore everything else because oh uh, the staff does all of the work anyway like do right. these jobs matter or do they not and if right. we're going to say that they matter uh there should be some consequences when one of them is no longer uh but you know outside of like what you're suggesting like they, you know senate could just like just kick her out for whatever uh like they would have to going forward come up with some sort of mechanism to remove maybe have you know, once you clear 70, you get one more term, like some sort of term limit after a certain age. So you you can't get to 88 and still in office. I don't know what the solution is, because like if you do like a fixed thing with age, you know, aren't people supposed to be living longer and longer? Right. The solution. No, the solution is that the people who are aware of the situation have to take responsibility for it. It's on the Senate for not giving her the boot. It's not plain the voters. And simple. Not they the have... voters who voted her in and Grassley in and other people Well, in. it's on the Democratic Party for failing to make clear to her that she needed to retire and be done uh, before she ran the last time. That's fine. To some extent, the voters are presented with a binary choice and like, what the fuck are you going to do? And you're in California, the Democrat is uh, almost certainly going to win. I right. mean, sure, to some extent, responsibility lies with the voters. Uh, that that would be the uh, by the way just a sidebar that would be the campaign angle like does somebody come out and like a cycle ago with Feinstein and just say I'm just gonna vote the way Feinstein you know like if you like whatever she was voting for I'll do the same thing but I can also like do Sudoku and like run a half a marathon like I can do other things like I am like right. a competent fifty year old 
and I'll just run the same plays, just vote me in, get rid of the old lady, and that'd have been fine. Right. And Fetterman can't talk either, by the way. Like, uh, Fetterman, right. Fetterman simply cannot speak and should probably not be in the Senate. Either should have been removed from the ballot uh, back before this all right. happened. And, and it's an easy out because, I mean, I don't know how much longer he wants to give this a go, but, like, you know, they have a Democratic governor. And so, like, you know, it's like they would lose a spot if he just stepped down for health reasons and then they appoint somebody and they can is, run. Is that how it works in Pennsylvania? Election. I actually don't know off the top of my head what the. Don't they usually fill in somebody until they run a special election? I mean, I don't know how the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania does it. Pennsylvania Senate vacancy law. Let's see here. Flip a coin or possession arrow. Some other gimmick. Yeah, next regularly scheduled general election. So governor gets to appoint until the seat is decided during the next regularly scheduled general election. So, yeah, I don't know why they do have a Democrat in Pennsylvania as well. There should probably be more of a... And the reg- I mean, the, the next regularly scheduled one is like in 28, right? Because he just won just this past right. cycle. So that's a pretty – yeah, maybe he thinks like this is six years. Let me give it a go. If Maybe at the end of the year he can re- reassess. But like why jump ship now? What if his whole health thing turned around? Yeah. Brains have been known to get way, way better <laughs> over time, right, after major <laughs> events like that? Hope springs eternal. Um. All right. This morning, Abe, very early this morning, you, you're like, hey, good morning, Bob. It's fucking 7.30. Watch this video of a guy getting killed. <laughs> With reservation. I sent it anyways, but I was like, oh, boy, I'm sending a link to somebody dying at 7 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. I will uh, suggest that because we're going to talk about this in some detail, I would recommend that you either – Watch the video yourself. I will I will attempt to describe this as accurately as possible without editorializing in any fashion until after right. uh, By the way, I have described I, it. I, I don't recommend that you watch it. Uh, so right, but this is must, the thing but... that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So if you need to see it with your own eyes, by all means. It's not graphic, but it is nauseating uh in, a, right. in if you have a certain no stomach for this sort of thing then uh, don't watch it certainly the video is one of those overhead like dome cams so it's like this big circle thing that you see right. in uh convenience stores this is a, a walgreens in san francisco and the the shot is of the front door of the walgreens it is the front door is propped open. Uh, some of the other doors are closed, but the, the door in question is propped open. There's a security guard standing in the doorway as a person approaches in a white T-shirt and, and jean shorts, looks like, and a, a bag full of merchandise. And the security guard points at him or points at this individual. And you can you, – there's no audio but he's he's asking him to stop asking this individual to stop. I'm just going to go with him by the way. There's a there's some question as to right. the biological realities here. But uh for our purposes here we're just going to go with him, which I believe would be the preferred pronouns, but again, not going to mess with it. This person approaches and and sort of walks into the security guard's outstretched arms and and then there's a, a shove as he tries to shove his way past into the open doorway. The security guard uh, pushes back 
and there is a scuffle. The merchandise, the, the bag is dropped on the ground. The uh, security guard fairly quickly, within a matter of uh, seconds, appears to have the upper hand. Uh, he hasn't subdued this person yet, but he is sort of wrestling him around. He's on his back. He takes a couple of swings at him. I'm not sure that any actual punches connect. Uh, but in, in fairly short order, he's got him down on the ground with his full body weight on him. Uh, and then after a little while, uh, the the struggling stops. So the, the things seem to be calming down. We'll find out later uh, what apparent exchange is going on in that moment. As this is going on, and this is... Uh, some 45 seconds into the video people are just moseying back and right. forth in and out of the open door of the store right. just sort of like stepping over the spilled merchandise curiously in in some way like sort of a curious glance at right. what's going almost on as if it's, almost as if it's routine like oh this thing again right they don't seem impressed or or surprised by what's going on here in any not, way and not no certainly ordinary. Yeah. No one acts in any fashion to assist with anything that's going on. There is no uh, Good Samaritan or third party involved in this uh, in, in any way. I'm not suggesting necessarily that there ought to have been. Right, uh, especially in that situation. You have a, uh, a shoplifter apparent and the security guard tasked with preventing that from happening, right? Having an interaction. So, like, what is the point of a third person like what would they if there were like two customers fighting maybe a third person like hey let's just settle down uh, to me anytime there's a one-on-one situation and you can intervene and make violence actually less likely to go on in my opinion then like you should i don't know but, what i would have done right uh obviously in this situation and it, the prudent thing to do is almost certainly to just uh, be on your way and not right. to intervene in any way. But right. my instinct, I I believe, would be to attempt to at least help subdue this individual until – because you're not going to resolve anything in a one-on-one situation, right? Like, right. I mean, unless, unless there's a – unless there's a, a – an ability of some escalatory deadly force or, or, or other sort of implement to be used, most people are generally uh, evenly matched with one another. And to me, it would be helpful to step in and, and try to calm things down. Uh, but whatever, I don't, I don't know, whatever. It's beside the point. Security guard has him on the ground and then after a short amount of time just lets him up. Uh, not, not clear why exactly. At, at which point, the shoplifter grabs his bag and begins to back out of the open door of the store. They, are, they, are, they have now created maybe three to five feet of space between one another, and the, the shoplifter is backing out of the store. They are facing one another. And as he hits the threshold of the door, the shoplifter sort of bows up. He, he right. squares up with the... Security guard, who has, by the way, in this moment, uh, has drawn a weapon. So right. the, the security guard has taken the gun out of his holster that he had on his leg and is pointing it at the ground. And as that gun is pointed at the ground, the shoplifter standing in the threshold of the store bows up, like squares up in a way, right. as though in, in what looks like an aggressive posture, I think right. is fair to say. Where is this? This is in San Francisco. 
Uh, as a in, in immediate response to the shoplifter squaring up against him, like like bowing up is the yes. sort of the only way that I can put it. Uh, the security guard raises his weapon and shoots the person in the chest. Right. And the the individual collapses. The Backward body language into the sidewalk, right? Like he follows. collapses out of the store into right. the middle of the sidewalk. Correct. The body language of the so and and by the way, the guard then immediately reholsters the weapon and walks out into the street. I don't I don't particularly want to characterize his body language in that moment because I think it's very hard to do. It it on first watching, if I'm going to give my honest opinion of it, on first watching, my opinion of the body language of the security guard after the shot is fired is uh that's what you get motherfucker that's so i just started watching the video like over your shoulder i can see it and it my interpretation of that body language is just like yeah yeah right like that's again i don't know that guy yeah but like i just beat a bunch of bad guys in a video game tonight the Hogwarts video game, and it looked like he felt how I felt when I like vanquished a bunch of trolls. Right, and you know what's what's weird is you know by the way there's there's no audio as Bob mentioned it's just all just video and in that particular moment he's face his his back is facing the camera basically you can't actually see can't his, see his face but for I I I, I reached kind of a similar conclusion as Lori like that was kind of it's weird how you can kind of almost sense like the Body well, language you can think what? you can sense. You can't right. really. Right. But you've just, right. To be fair, you've just watched him shoot a guy in the chest, yeah. right? right? And right. so, and and what you've done is you've seen it in as a reaction to a person seemingly because again, there's no audio. But in my head, when I watched it the first time, it was like that that guy said something, right? right. He he didn't just. Uh, make the bow up or the or the the square up gesture, but he must have he called him a faggot. He's like, right. he, something, he called, yeah, some sort of he called him a name. Kind of, something right. about that body language to me said, "I am aggressing." Right? I am right. doing something that is right. intended to insult you in some way. Right. And then when the then the arm comes up and the shot is fired, and then the so the guard puts the gun back into his hip, and he he sort of he like. He sort of flexes his shoulders almost. Almost like you can't I've again right. you don't right. want to characterize what's going on in his head, but on first blush, on first watching it, I'm just giving you my opinion of what I saw, which was sort of a flex, sort yeah. of a I did the thing, right? Right. Uh he then walks over to uh, the person on the floor, uh, the the guy that he had just shot, and kneels next to him. They appear to be having some sort. You can't see their faces, but by their body language, uh, you you can see that they are in conversation with one another in some way. No longer aggressive in in well, in confrontation. Also, the, the guy on the floor is dying, like actively dying. Like it's not right. like a a flush wound that, that bled out later. Like he was like in bad shape. Right. It was a few hours before he died, uh, but. But yes, he was in bad shape. I don't. He wasn't dead by the time. Right. Like the, the eventually, I don't know the f- exact time frame here. But the police did get there with EMTs, and he was uh, unconscious but breathing when they got there, and and they were able to treat him and get him on his way to the hospital, uh, where he 
I believe he he died at the hospital. I don't think he died en route, but I could be wrong about that. Um, anyway, the video goes on. As I said, the the guard is laying or or kneeling next to him and is talking with uh, bystanders. Now, the guy is there, sort of uh, writhing a little bit to the extent that he can. His arm comes up, and and sort of just flops around a little bit. He's sort of starfishing there a bit on the ground. It's not, very unpleasant. Not a pleasant, yeah, not a pleasant image to watch. Right, and it's it's awful. And there are, uh, now, now, now people are not, I mean, still there are people, of course, walking by, uh, not paying it any heed, but there is a small crowd that is gathered. And that, that is more or less the end of uh, the relevant portion of the video. There is a passerby who appears to be attempting to render aid in some way, uh, kneeling next to this guy and and possibly applying pressure to the wound. Uh ultimately uh the gentleman dies and that's the that's the summary of the video as best I can do it. Um the the reason that this comes up in conversation is because the uh, district attorney in San Francisco ultimately has elected not to press charges, not to bring any charges against the security guard in question here. And uh, this is a new DA. He, he is the, the one who replaced uh, Chesa Boudin, who ran on uh, a, a big-time criminal justice reform package and had done away with all sorts of uh, prosecutions of uh, seemingly minor offenses and was criticized for doing a bad job right, as a prosecutor. It, it coincided, like his policies, you may not be able to attribute 100% to what happened, but there was a spike in criminal activity. And so they're like, your permissive ways, you know, cash, bail, reform, and letting, you know, lower level, whatever, or petty criminals like slide and not enforcing, like, you know, like in this case where the, uh, Walgreens hired like private security, like there were a lot of uh, places where uh, some random people would rob a store and the policy was to just kind of like let's not uh, create a hostile environment. Let the person steal. It's just property. We can work around it. And the problem with that is that it invites more of the same, you know. Right. And so like all of that stuff kind of – I mean this is liberal – San Francisco and that Boudin guy gets recalled. Like he was voted in like not too long ago and they were like, Oh fuck this. And they got rid of him. And then they got this new person and this person under, you know, just on the heels of the recall uh, and the victory, he declines to prosecute this uh, situation. Right. Which is a homicide, not necessarily a a murder or, or manslaughter or anything like that, but it is certainly classified as a homicide. Um, it is to some extent kind of fucking staggering to me. And obviously I live in a relatively stable community, I suppose. And always other have. Than that, other than that one time in 2017. Right. Aside from That's the, not people. They came oh, from they, outside here. It's different. Yeah. Um, it is, it would not be my common experience to go to the drugstore and see armed an armed security guard detail, not just one guy, but a, apparently they have a three-person team who, uh, yes. as as many as three people work this Walgreens at any given time. Uh, in this case, uh, it was just a two-person detail because it was, what was it, like five or six o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. 
but the, one of the guards was on break, and so this guy was on his own at the moment. But apparently during busy times, they have two or even three people working security at a fucking Walgreens, which is it's just shocking to me that right. that such a condition uh, – that Walgreens believe that conditions are so ho- so horrible that they need – Multiple outside contracted security guards just to keep the fucking razors and shaving cream uh, on the shelves. It's right. I mean, there. You know, I, I don't know the lay of San Francisco, so I don't know where this Walgreens was located. Uh, but there was just like a story in the New York Times, like a week or two ago, where uh, Whole Foods tried to make a go of like reinvigorating this like community in San Francisco, like in the heart of the city. I guess where a lot of the homeless people are are situated, uh, and they try to make it a go, and like a year later they close because like every day there would be some incident. Like there was like I think there was a write up uh, in the story where one like call to nine one one was like it's the guy with the hatchet again, right. like <laughs> sent help or something along those lines. So it's like right. these frequent issues to where like you're gonna have to hire all this help and then. The employees don't feel safe. I mean, they're not getting paid that much. Uh, I know Whole Foods pays them well, but not enough to like witness that on the regular. And so they closed it. So I don't, you know, this three security uh, guard system may make sense based on where they're located in San Francisco. There are some on the left, uh, like Jamel Bowie and, and Michael Hobbs and and some other sort of lefty media commentator types who continue to insist that. This is all made up, that that it's just anecdotes that get blown up out of proportion and that any of this right-wing fear-mongering about organized retail crime or uh, homeless people or not homeless people who go in and like 18, 20 at a time run into the Apple store and bash all the all the glass displays and steal all the merchandise and run out of there and it all happens very quickly that this is just extreme extraordinarily rare and like we've done the research and uh, cities aren't seeing this <laughs> but like this is belied by the fact that a Walgreens in San Francisco has a three person security right. detail that right. they have to have all the time because they're worried about the merchandise walking out the door right like by the way uh they do know the the buoys of the world that they keep track of like crime in cities. You know, in Atlanta, they, there's a report like in different districts of Atlanta, like you know, uh, theft has gone up. You know, uh, like assaults have gone down, murders. You know, like they keep track of all the things. And so, when people are fear mongering, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's made up. It, they could be blowing it way out of proportion, like everybody's getting robbed, but like. There are incidents of these robberies and, and, and thefts and things like that. That's not made up, and it's ticked up uh, over the last few years, right? I mean, I don't know about 23 so far, but, like, during the pandemic years, it ticked up. Right. And this is uh, a little bit beside the point from this conversation here. But you remember, like, early internet, the flash mob viral oh, videos that yes. would go around? Yeah. Like, all these assholes would put on uh, blue polo shirts and go into the Best Buy and just like stand around pretending to be Best Buy employees, right? And and like, or or they do a flash mob and they they do some fucking fun dance in Target like dance, or something. Yeah. And now there's sixty people doing a dance in Target, right. and like those are entertaining, fine, whatever. Underlying them to me was always a, the an implicit threat, right? Because, <laughs> because I don't care for 
like and sure like street theater is one thing and they're just there to have a good time but there's something uh sort of disconcerting about a whole bunch of people running into a place and taking it over right, right. even if their intentions are good or 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 simply to be amusing or to entertain a few people or to have a viral video or what have you like there's still something that breaks the sh- the social compact in a way that right. is uncomfortable for me, right? Right. And so, like th- that same thing of 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 like goofy internet viral video flash mobs is the same. It's the same feeling that I would get watching some of these videos of like forty wild teens run into Target all at once and right. grab as much shit as they can and then they run out. Like right. is that common? Does that happen at Target all the fucking time? No, of course not. Uh but it is like it's like it's primally disconcerting when you see a video like that. Right. But it's That's, it's a nice strategy though, right? Because you're overwhelming this Apple store. It's like, all right, there's too much. There's strength in numbers and people get away. I don't know who comes up with these uh scans, but like you're right. Like when I see it, it's like, look at these little shit. Like that's actually not a, a bad strategy. Go in, <laughs> yes, in terms of the strategy, it's good. But don't you feel like sort of uh, like if that yeah, happened while you were there, no. you'd freak the fuck out. Like, right. oh, God, yeah. what the fuck is happening? Right. Yeah, it's a total breakdown of society. Yeah, it's not good. You don't want to. Right. It's not, it's not good at all. But also, like what is the uh, minimizing by the buoys of, you know, like I don't mean to single him out, but like. Michael Hobbs, we can, we can stick with Michael Hobbs, his podcast, okay. He's, the other he guy. tweets it, rotten in Denmark, let's go with, we can blame him, yeah. Right, but it seems like, like, they have a story in their head that they don't want to concede this point because it will give credence to some person they don't like, and, and again, you can take an, uh, an issue and blow it way out of proportion and say this is like nationwide, this is the worst thing ever, blah, 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 but the original root source is true, right, like... There's video evidence to show that these things happen, right? right. So also, it can that? be the case that cash bail reform is a good thing, and also not prosecuting shoplifters is a bad thing, right? Right. Like both of those things can be true. You don't have to take the entire baby and the entire bathwater all of the time. If it proves, like, if we can make society marginally better by doing uh, cash bail reform, where people aren't spending eighteen months or two years in prison awaiting a court date because they don't have fifteen hundred dollars or ten thousand dollars to bail themselves out of jail, uh, like we can fix that. And also continue to prosecute sort of low-level, broken-window-style crimes that make life demonstrably worse for the average citizen, right? right. That, 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 like, whatever. Uh, back to this video and the, and the decision to not prosecute this individual by the San Francisco DA, whose name I don't know. But he's the new guy, the guy who replaced Chase Boudin. Right. Um, so you sent this along... As part of a text, you also sent along the full report from the DA's office about uh, their decision, and they do right. a frame by they do a like a frame by frame breakdown of of the video uh, for the first half or so of the report, and then they get to witness statements and uh, police interviews and that sort of thing, and then their conclusions. I highly recommend reading it. In addition to like, if you're if you're just going to view the video, don't don't do that. Right. It's a it's a 25 page report, uh, but in classic came out of a government office fashion, it's probably more like eight or ten pages right. yeah. of actual uh, reading <laughs> material there. Um, 
I don't want to mischaracterize how you first sent this to me, so I'm looking at... Um, you said, the video footage is very clear. He was not in fear for his life. This is the guard that you're talking about. He took exception at the lunge fake gesture forward or by what he said and then shot him dead. But this is the DA who replaced that Boudin guy who perceived who was perceived as soft on crime, so maybe not surprising he'd reached this conclusion. Far too many people, even in San Francisco, don't mind, quote, sending a message to shoplifters in this way. Maybe that's being overly harsh. Right. Uh, so it seems like your opinion here, or I'll just I'll just let you go ahead and right. give your so, opinion. So when, when I watched the video and I read, I kind of skimmed through the 25-page thing initially before I, I went back and read the whole thing, but like initially... You are, you are a government stooge after all. You know what to do with government <laughs> documents. It's like I can skim through the unnecessary parts, okay? Right. Fluff, 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 and then there, there's the meat. Uh, so when I watched it, you know, so the, again, the video, there's no audio. Uh, the, the one thought that I couldn't get past was that there was a lot of like cavalierness right like on the shoplifters part and then on the security guard right so i've never i mean i I hear about like this issue where people are just kind of shoplifting with abandon you know like they're not trying to disguise it you know typically you're thinking people are trying to disguise you know put it in their pocket or their coat you know whatever they're stealing right they're making some effort to to conceal the crime uh in this video, this person was not only not concealing it, there was a security guard posted by the entrance, no deterrence at all, right? They don't perceive them as, okay, maybe not today. Oh, these fuckers got a security guard. I'll come back another time. There's no like, okay, plan B. Like, hey, I'm going to steal this stuff, and I'm just going to walk out and fuck that guy, right? And he right. just kind of like walks towards them, and the confrontation happens, and then, you know, the whole wrestling stuff, right? So... The security guard wrestles him to the ground. At no point is this person, uh, the the shoplifter, uh, is reaching for the security guard's guard a gun or like trying to pull his own weapon of some kind. Sure, he that just, we that we can that we can see. Right. Yeah, sure. that we can see. Yeah, and again, we're just going based on what the video is. Maybe more information will come to light, but just based on the video. There is no effort to like escalate beyond like I want to steal this stuff and get away from me, right? Initially, right? So he squirms out for whatever reason. The guy didn't like the most ideal situation if he just had him pinned down. The guy tired, and then you know uh, police officers arrive and he's arrested. Everybody goes on with their day, right? That would have been the most ideal situation for whatever reason. He kind of squirms out. He gets back up on his feet, and then this is where the the gun is. You know, taken out of the holster. There's some words exchanged. There's that lunge uh, motion, and then there was a shooting, right? And so I'm thinking, this person who's threatening that they have a a, a knife that they're going to use, and like threatening, saying other things, whatever, just to kind of incite them, right? And maybe even egging the person on. Again, I'm just speculating. Oh, you're not going to do anything with that gun. Some version, you know, like whatever. You're not doing anything to me, right? Right. There is still an opportunity to de-escalate, right? And so this is so like the cavalierness of the shoplifter, I make that point. Now it's the cavalierness of the security guard to where like, yes, potentially your life could be, what, in danger. Like this person just, he didn't do anything for the last minute or so with this knife that doesn't exist, but maybe... Right, so so we should clarify the shoplifter was 
shouting over and over again. Right. I'm going to stab your ass. I'm going right. to stab you. Right. I'm going to fucking stab you. So that he's sort of thing. That, so at, right. during this struggle, this is according to a couple of witnesses and also the security guard himself. This is this the the tenor of the conversation between the two is him saying, "Calm the fuck down." Uh, the security guard saying, calm down, calm down. Uh, and the shoplifter saying, I'm going to stab you. Right. Th- those are the words that are being exchanged between them throughout the struggle. Right. So in in my eyes, there was opportunities to de-escalate, right? There wasn't like this imminent threat that the security guard was facing. There was no Im- – now, his characterization will obviously be different and, you know, he's got the right to defend himself. Uh as far as argument-wise, uh, but I did not see anything based on the sequence of events. Like the security guard confronted the person. I mean, that's their job. I'm not f- faulting them for that. Trying to pin him down, no fault there either. When he gets up, if he were to lunge, he you know there, he had to present any weapon. You can tackle him again. There's so many other things that could have happened, but instead, just takes out the gun and just shoots him. I mean, he's got to assume that that's a, a, a lethal shot. I mean, he's just shooting them right at the torso, right? Like, is that where he hit him? Like, it wasn't, like, at the leg. Seemed to hit him somewhere in the chest area, yeah. Right. So that was a lethal shot to kill this person, right? And now, you know, the, the DA declines to prosecute. And maybe, you know, even if they, if Boudin was in office and, and they took it to, uh, to trial, he would may have been acquitted, right? I'm not saying that this was a slam dunk case, but at least— do something because, I mean, what we're having now is like with the shoplifting, if there is a perception that there is a permissive society to where like we're not going to sweat some kids stealing some stuff, right? You're going to invite more kids stealing stuff, right? So doesn't it hold true that if you have this lax, like if you there's a plausible deniability or some flimsy defense you can raise to shoot somebody, choke somebody – whatever somebody, like kill somebody, you're going to invite more of those type of incidents, right? I'm not saying the security guard woke up that day is like, I hope I have an opportunity to kill somebody, right? This was in the heat in the moment. I don't think he was trying to, you know, uh, commit a, a murder. But again, it invi- like the, the way that the system is by just saying we're not even going to take it to court, what is the message that's being sent with that? Like I think this right. – sort of thing is going to continue to happen because if the San Francisco DA is going to refuse to prosecute, most of these country bumpkin DAs are not going to do anything, right? Not not to malign the country bumpkin DAs, but like they're not going to bring up charges in a situation similar to this. So I, I think it's just like a, a coarsening of like society where you allow this sort of stuff to just like, eh, I can kind of see it both ways, but yeah, I can see why he felt in danger and let it go. It's just, I think that's not a good long-term policy. So my initial reaction to the video was that the fact that there was a gun in the possession of the security guard made the ending of this story very nearly inevitable in some fundamental way. Uh, Especially given that he was alone in this situation, he did not have the benefit of a of a partner. His partner was on lunch break or something, and that inevitability to me was uh, unfortunate. Right, so that's right. my my 
my my first reaction to the video is was very similar to uh, the way that you characterized it was that this security guard seemed like there was a nut that that there were other options on the table to pursue a non-lethal end to this scenario and he appeared to take advantage of the fact that uh he was no longer bound by the normal rules of uh human social interaction uh because this person had violated the terms of the agreement in some way and it sort of gave him license to use that gun uh in a way uh and i was i was not particularly sympathetic to the guard's position just having seen the video and i'm not sure about the sending a message stuff as far as the prosecutor is concerned i think that 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 is that's a real thing but also i think that it i don't think that this is the prosecutor's office necessarily attempting to send a message it doesn't mean that a message won't be sent right right uh, it doesn't mean that word won't get out that security guards now have the relative freedom to shoot people when they claim that they feel that they are in a threatening uh, situation. Uh, grave bodily harm might come to them. Now they have a uh, license to uh, shoot shoplifters. I'm not saying that word won't get around to security guards and word won't get around to uh, various potential thieves. I just... I think that that is a consequence of an action taken by the prosecutor's office and not necessarily uh, an intent of the prosecutor's office. And I think that that distinction uh, matters. I don't know how much it matters uh, practically in the in the real world, but I do think it's a distinction that matters to some extent. After having wat- uh, watched the video and then carefully reading through the the report from the DA's office. And of course, to some extent, I must acknowledge I am being sold something here, right? right. This is the DA attempting to justify his decision uh, in, right. in public fashion, right? So right. this is a – it's not just a thorough recounting of all of the relevant facts. It's an argument, right? Uh, and the the argument ultimately being that the guard should not be prosecuted or that or that uh, more to the point that the prosecutor does not believe that this person acted with uh, murderous intent or, or or homicidal intent or sorry unjustifiably homicidal intent uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? Beyond beyond any doubt that could be raised in a jury's minds. He doesn't think that he can get a conviction, so he's not going to bring a charge. Right. And further, I'm being sold by the security guard himself, right? So the security guard is going to present his state of mind in a way that is favorable uh, to himself, and uh, to, to his version of events that, that makes him, uh, you're more likely to be sympathetic uh, if you take him entirely at his word, uh, the good news is we don't have to take him entirely at his word because there is video and there are uh, witness statements. And the, the the witness one and witness two statements, I think, go a long way to confirming the state of mind of the security guard. They, they certainly don't do anything to detract from his telling of events. Nothing that witness one or witness two says is in contradiction of 
the way that the security guard describes the scene. And I right. think that that is important. There is a third witness who seems uh, full of shit. Uh, this is a person who took video of the event and characterized and, – and not of the event as it happened, but rather took video of the aftermath and then went on uh, local news media and gave interviews to uh, the, the local television people and does not does not read to me to be remotely reliable in terms of uh, somebody giving a an accurate – uh, accounting of what happened here uh maybe that maybe that maybe your mileage will vary with that but to me witness three uh who was largely dismissed uh not 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 quite dismissed but but not taken as seriously by the police as witness one and two were i, I think assume, that's fair to say i don't think i'm familiar with this victim three or this witness three uh, did their testimony diverge significantly from the first two is that why they uh, video footage from Witness 3 began only after the shot was fired. The individual who provided the footage also gave an interview to the news. News reports detailing the statement of Witness 3 were also reviewed. The news article reported that according to Witness 3, Anthony threw Brown, so the guard threw the shoplifter out of the store and headed back inside. Witness was quoted in media, I'm ready to leave the store. The guard, like, gives me a nudge. I'm like, hey, bro say excuse me something that something like that right so he says i'm sorry bro you know when i hear him say he say damn shit i'm tired of this man not today he walks outside reaches for the gun bam bam it was quick it was fast it was like a movie there wasn't no time you know it was already in his mind you know i mean to do what he did the video footage produced by witness only documents the moments after the gunfire and does not corroborate washington or the the witness's statement so uh, nothing in the video confirms any of this conversation, gotcha. and witness three doesn't seem to be uh, terribly reliable. Okay, and and no none, no no one else has an accounting of that alleged interaction either, for what it's worth. Further, the fact that the security company's guidelines had been changed recently, uh, they were they were instructed. Instructions to the guard personnel were to engage in hands-on recovery of merchandise. The guards were also allowed to request receipts for merchandise, but in any event, they were to actively work to retrieve or recover any stolen items once it was clear that the individual who concealed the items intended to leave the store without paying. I don't know. I don't want to go through these, this entire thing necessarily, but everything that the security guard said to the police to me suggested a state of mind of uh he was feeling legitimately threatened by the actions of the shoplifter even though he appears in the video to be in complete control of the situation uh he he suggests that uh he's got a bum shoulder that he's had his, his shoulder dislocated before that the reason that he even lets the person up from the ground in the first place is because he's worried that while he is at that moment controlling him, his shoulder could dislocate at any time, leaving him vulnerable to uh, whatever this person is going to do. Right. Plausibly, this is a reason to not be a security guard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that, that if you're in your job description is having to subdue potential criminals or, or shoplifters, that if you are physically unable to do that part of the job, uh, perhaps you shouldn't be left alone to do it. Right. Also, uh, th th these uh, 
security guard places should have like a rating system, like where they're going to be assigned. Cause like he can, with his whatever physical limitations, make it work in Charlottesville as a security guard. Not that you guys have, I don't know if you have one, but like in a place where the, the risk is low. Right. But for wherever the fuck this place is in San Francisco, like you would need somebody who is like very physically, uh, uh, competent, like to where they can, you know, maybe have a little wrestling background or some jujitsu or something. Like, if you're going to work at this location, they should be given hazard pay, and you should be a lot fitter right. than this person. Also, we don't uh, train police, so what makes you think right. that we're going to have high standards <laughs> for uh, security guards? Right, and uh, I think private- I, I forget somebody. I, I read somewhere where they were saying like the number of hours a typical cop in California would need for training versus. A private security guard, and and the difference is pretty uh, pretty stark. Yeah. So, uh, what what happens the, to close the loop on the lunge when the shoplifter is standing in the threshold uh, on his way backing out of the door there, and he he does the bow up the 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 sort of mini lunge thing right. that he does. Apparently, uh, as it turns out, uh, this is when he is spitting on the security guard. Right. So it's a. Right. Uh, it, 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 he wasn't calling him a mean name. He wasn't being a, he wasn't reaching for a knife, as it turns out. But he was spitting on him. The way that the security guard characterizes his reaction is that he didn't know he was being spit on until after he had already fired the shot. <laughs> like maybe that's not maybe that's not even necessarily true. But what he's reacting to is the flex. He's reacting to the action of the lunge and it all happens so quickly that the shot is fired in his mind the shot is fired even before he realizes that he had been spit on right so he believed that he was uh, potentially going to be attacked uh, possibly with a knife granted no knife is recovered uh, there was no knife ever here but that's only information that we know uh, in the aftermath of all of this so right. and we have to go with what plausibly could have been in this person's head and crucially you don't have to and you can disagree with this fact of the law all you want uh but I, and I'll I'll quote from the from the DA's report here the defendant is not guilty of murder or manslaughter if he was justified in killing someone in self-defense. The defendant acted in lawful self-defense if, one, the defendant reasonably believed that he was in imminent danger of being killed or suffering great bodily injury or was in imminent danger of being raped, maimed, or robbed under circumstances in which he reasonably believed that he would suffer great bodily injury or death. So, crucially here, fearing for one's life is not the threshold for taking that shot. You can disagree with that all you want. Right. Uh, that's, that's, that's perfectly fine. But uh, just the belief in the threat that great bodily harm is going to come to you justifies the shooting. Right. Or, or is, is one of the ways that you can act in lawful self-defense. Uh, the, the, the DA's report goes on to say uh, the defendant acted in lawful self-defense if, two, the defendant reasonably believed that the immediate use of deadly force was necessary to defend against that danger, and three, the defendant used no more force than was reasonably necessary to defend against that danger. And that, of course, is a, a three there in particular is, is also subjective. These are all 
uh, sub- subjective renderings of either a person's state of mind uh, or what is or is not reasonably necessary. Uh, one shot in some cases would be deemed reasonably necessary use of force to defend against the danger. Uh, also like a, I don't know, a, a a crowbar across the right. dome probably would have been as well. Unfortunately, the the weapon ready to hand in this case was a gun, and that's what the the one shot was fired. Right. So, in summation of my long uh, uh, paration here, I am of the opinion, having now read this entire thing a couple of times and and gone through it, that it would be wrong to charge this person with unlawful homicide, uh, or or not necessarily wrong. But that it is unlikely to me that you could convince a jury that there's not reasonable doubt uh, that a that a homicide was was committed here. And right. and to me, I I hate the phrase "play stupid games, win stupid prizes." I think it's glib and and stupid. Uh, but as with most glib and stupid things, there's a there's a truth to it that resonates with a great uh, many people, which. Uh, which is not to suggest at all, I firmly don't believe that the act of shoplifting deserves a right. death sentence. Right. right? I'm, I'm wildly against that right. as a characterization of my position. But at the same time, this person has injected himself into a situation that had deadly consequences. And while I feel bad for that person, I, I feel equally bad for the security guard who has to live with the fact that he killed someone now and who, by all accounts of these police interviews from that night, uh, it doesn't rest easy on on his conscience, uh, at least in the immediate aftermath of it, or uh, less charitably, at least in the, in the moment at which he is in most danger of potentially being charged with a crime and is trying to make himself look as though uh, potentially it weighs heavy on his conscience in, in some way. Uh, but according to his his rendition of events, the person that he shot apologized to him, saying it shouldn't have gone this way, and he and he is immediately expressing regret that it went the way that it went as well. I and have, I know that that we have different opinions here, uh, so I'll, I'll let you talk. Now. I I have zero evidence to to support what I'm going to say, but so much of what that security guard saying sound like textbook bullshit right but like the 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 motivations for his actions right are all convenient right to explain away a heat in the moment action like again i don't think he intentionally was trying to kill somebody things got heated either the spit that he probably felt before he took action i know like you see the the placement of the spit like everything like the the construction of the story that he's presenting is such that like it's like it falls exactly along his lines. There's not like one thing he did wrong. Everything happened in the right sequence to his benefit, and there's no way to dispute. So that. I I don't think that I so so I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't think that you can say that his version of events suggests that he did nothing wrong because even in his version of events, I think that he did something wrong, which was firing a shot that, in my opinion, was unnecessary. Right. Right. I. I, I am I still am of the opinion and of the of the useless wish uh, that he had not fired that shot. I am just not convinced by any stretch that there's a prosecutable crime here. Right. 
and, and, and I think, you you know, you may be right on that. I mean, obviously, the DA thinks so. Uh, I'm not sure how many other DAs. I'm sure Boudin would have prosecuted, but I'm not sure just average ta- like Atlanta, let's say, what the DA here would do, right? But setting that aside for just a moment, I do want to say that this uh, incident and, and incidents such as these uh, create a perverse incentive, right? Like, it's not intentional, but, like, you have like hard evidence, right? Like the scuffle or the attempt at shoplifting, then the scuffle, then the some sort of interaction verbally, you know, spit, uh, whatever, like lunge. And then you see the shot, right? That's like the hard evidence that we have. And then all the soft evidence is like, what was my take of what you did, right? My take was that I was in fear for my life. My take was that you were meaning me harm you're going to escalate violently like it wasn't going to just be like we're going to jaw at each other and then eventually i would leave i was going to pull a knife and make a stab attempt right that's all just soft evidence right there's no evidence to support he's just saying that right and like on right on, but on the strength uh, of crucially, that, in a, just right? just for example in a court of law right if a person makes a terroristic threat Right. Uh, and it's coming out of their mouth and right. they are the one providing you with that information. Like anything that you say, I mean, is classic fucking formulation. Anything you say can, can be used will, against right. you in a court of law. Oh, but that's, the, that's because where the perverse it's not, incentive It's not is. like some asshole was running by and saying, that motherfucker is going to stab you if you don't shoot him, right? Right. It's the words coming out of his mouth. I'm gonna stab your ass. Right. Like, and you, so it's it's a highly believe it's a highly believable threat to be making in that situation. And I, 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 sorry, right. go ahead. But what I'm saying is the sequence of events is important. He had a physical altercation. He the security guard was not in fear of his life then. He didn't like reach for his gun in the scuffle to prevent some sort of thing, right? Like there's no point where he is in fear he's talking to him, like I don't know what he's saying, but like it is I I'm in control of the situation. Oh, no, maybe I'm not in control of the situation. So I disagree, I disagree that you – I, I don't think that you can characterize this as him being in control of the situation. He was in I think control that's, of the situation. I think that's where we disagree because I don't think that anyone was in control of this situation. I think that it immediately became a relatively chaotic situation in which a person who believed himself to be physically infirm in some way – felt immediately endangered with a soft evidence like oh little old me like see it's like all the hard evidence says like did you really need to shoot him you just had a fight with you know with him you can take this guy like you can just back up if he continues to come your way maybe then i mean there's so many like outs he didn't take any of the outs and this is what i mean by a perverse incentive like and I, i agree with you i wish he i wish he hadn't shot him but if we're going to ask the person with the gun to to I mean granted and I it would be my preference that the gun wasn't in this scenario either but how many outs were there for the person who ended up shot right at some right. at some point right. we have to accept that this person had responsibility for their own life, right? right. And I'm the, not yeah. again. I'm not saying that uh, you steal a bunch of like whatever. I, we don't even know what the merchandise was. It doesn't show up in the police report as to what he was stealing. But whatever he got from the shelves of the Walgreens, uh, whatever he was taking, does not should not render a death sentence upon him, right? Like fact, there is no 
uh, justifiable system of criminal justice that would say a person who steals uh, loses their life. Like, never mind, like, the, the old uh, lose your hand if you're a, th- a right. thief sort right. of thing. Uh, that, that obviously, I, I wouldn't that even go that far, way. obviously. It still happens in some countries. Right. That said, at some point, we have to put the responsibility for this individual's life back in their hands, right? And and you can you can decide where in this interaction uh, you want that to be. In my opinion, it would be better if when, as you said earlier, the security guard is like, oh, nope, not today, buddy. J- gigs up. Like, you're just going to have to put those back on the shelf. That's the moment. Like, okay, you win this time. Right. We'll see you next time. Right. Or, or at any point during this struggle, when the security guard has now let you up and is saying, just calm down, you can go effectively, right? He lets him collect his bag. And then instead of just turning and running, turning right. heel and running, he, he turns and makes that aggressive gesture. Right. It, it would be to my preference that, that the person who ended up getting shot didn't do that. No, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I am in 100% agreement with you there. The shoplifter was the belligerent actor. I mean, this whole thing was because he was trying to steal something, right? So yes, that is true. But what I'm saying is, one person has a gun, the other person does not have a gun. I know whatever claims like I didn't know at the time, blah blah. He, he did not have a weapon on him. He at no point did he, he was on the ground, at no point did he reach for some weapon to get him out of the situation. Like he had yeah, but you no don't weapon. Know. So Come on. I'm, he had no I'm, weapon. Abe, if you're wrestling if I'm sorry, but if you're wrestling someone and you have relative control of the situation and they're continuing to shout at you, I'm gonna stab you. Right. I think that it is completely rational to believe whether or not they have produced said weapon. It is important uh, that they do though. That's what I'm saying. They have not produced anything. They're saying stuff. At this point, okay, but they are I, on a physical like we're just gonna scuffle at worst, right? Basically, he's thinking the ceiling. I mean, I, even though the guy has got a gun, like he's still in the mood that like we're not gonna ask. It. I'm gonna just start saying nonsense. I mean, you see people argue all the time. I mean, at least in my neck of the woods here in Atlanta, people raise their voice and argue and do whatever. No one escalates it. Well, not, again, not not no one, but like escalating something to I'm just gonna shoot you can't be the way we go about living in a society and. Even though it wasn't the intent of the DA, right, so, so then, that is so the, the message. Then that gets that gets that gets to the crucial question here. Then I think, in a in a way that's less specific and more in terms of principle or or a question of law, right. do you think that it is a bad standard that that what the DA is pointing to in the law that the defendant reasonably believed that he was in imminent danger if the defendant reasonably reasonably believed that he was in imminent danger of being killed. Or suffering great bodily injury, uh, right. then it's not going to be right. But like, uh, it, it didn't meet, a murder. So it didn't meet that standard for me, right? There was no imminent. Like he's saying there was, but there so was no. You imminent. can say that in the ex post facto rendition no, of the, is the with, current... with all of the facts. With all of the facts on the ground, we know this individual did not have a lethal weapon on him, right? That the the threat was an idle threat to the extent that he could not have actually carried it out because he had no knife, right? That's 100% true, it seems. But 
Is it also reasonable to believe that in the mind of the security guard, he believed that bodily injury was imminent, that great bodily harm was – he does not have to, according to the law, he does not have to be in literally in fear that his life will be ended in order to take that shot. Do you think that's wrong? Should the standard for self-defense be raised beyond – uh, what it is now currently in the state of California. Well, let me ask you just a question on that point. Uh, what is the basis to judge what somebody feels, right? If you – like if I'm sincerely – like the you see the similar actions and then like I honest to God – like I'm not even like lying. I honest to God thought – Whatever verbal uh, statements he, they were making, they were going to immediately follow through on it. I didn't want to give him the opportunity because, you know, we're like, what, six feet apart? Like, he can get some stabs in if you let him get to that point, right? So, like, you can Not even six feet apart. They're, right. they're, they're three or at most – it's hard to see exactly because of the weird, like, the – the weird spherical yeah, nature yeah. of the video, it, exactly like what the distance is. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like th- at most three to five feet distance. Not a ton of distance had been created. Right. And and to me, like to me, I'll answer my question if or, or your question. If someone says, "I have a knife. I'm going to stab you," and then they lunge towards me, Without I'm going. I'm not saying that I'm going to shoot them. Right. I don't have a gun. I'd be fucked. Right. <laughs> uh, but my. I know what my fear response would be. My my immediate fear response would be, oh, fuck. Like, it wouldn't be, ah, oh, he's probably joking. Right. Right? But, but is, is, <laughs> is that then the standard then? Like, like how do we, like, to me with, like, what I call soft evidence, basically just, like, state of mind and, and, and sincerely held beliefs or whatever, like, are you saying, like, put yourself in their position and if you're like, I could see it. And that's the standard, or I don't see it, and then you're fucked. Like, like, what is the determination to say? I that- think it's a very difficult. I think it's a very difficult thing to sort out in any sort of definitive way. Right. I think that, in a in a funny way, this ties directly into an article that I sent you earlier in the week, uh, out of Slate. Oh. The first time that I have a, you know, I have a, a notoriously shitty memory. As uh, as Lori will be happy to uh, remind us of. Not happy. But there's an article in Slate. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Headlined: One of the most sacred premises in American law is bunk. Uh, the reason that I sent it into the group chat, aside from its own uh, inherent uh, value, which I think it is interesting on its own merits, is that the first time I can remember seeing you get into an <laughs> argument on the internet was on this very question, which is. Uh, uh, I, I forget the context. Maybe you remember it. Maybe you don't. Yeah. I, 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 but it was basically I a back and forth about whether or not it makes sense that the standard should be that it's better for 10 guilty men to go free than for one innocent man to languish in prison. Right. And you were in some fashion defending that principle and like the totality of the people responding to you were agog and aghast that this would be your position. Right, and and, and I think, uh, if, if I recall correctly, there were there was such a fixation as like, well, what if one of those people you let go, you know, like they were so fixated on the actual 10 that are being let free or what have you, and it's just like the idea is that you want to construct a system where it's, it's so rigorous that it errs on the side of caution, right? So like, 
have the standard of proof be high enough to where like if somebody is convicted, they are they are convicted and they actually did do the thing, right? Uh, and right. If, if the standard is such that we're, it's high enough to where like some people due to absence of evidence or whatever, they just didn't have eyewitnesses or they're lacking the necessary evidence to demonstrate in court that they're guilty, then they can be acquitted and you can live with a system like that because the alternative will also, be worse. And this doesn't show up in these sort of conversations a lot, but crucially, there's a lot of fucking guilty people walking around all the right. fucking time, yes. right? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, setting aside like our own personal moral failings, like the any system of justice doesn't catch all the crimes. Right. There are people who commit crimes all the time, <laughs> and there's not even a whisper right. of anyone uh, getting in trouble because of it, because nobody finds out about it, or it's like it's just too much. It's this fucking right. ceaseless tide of criminality out there. Right. And and so like the idea, like to me, it's just it it has always been self evident. I don't remember the first time that the maxim or the principle uh, was presented to me in this uh, Black Estonian fashion. Uh, it's just the English uh, jurist Sir William Blackstone famously expressed the view that it is, quote, better that 10 guilty persons escape than that one innocent suffer. That's like such a cornerstone right. of my understanding of, I, I suppose, Western, uh, uh, the foundations of Western judicial systems, that I, it didn't even occur to me that people didn't just accept it as true. And here I see uh, all of your friends <laughs> arguing with you. Uh, like, it, that, it's, like, as though Abe is the idiot alien from another world. I'm like, like the, what? Did the, these people go to school? Like, did, did we, did, surely we all went to the same basic schools. Right. Like, what do we, what the, got lost in translation so here? The whole due process that people say they're for is predicated on this, right? Like, you have to actually prove the case. You can't just cut corners and just say, well, somebody did it, here's somebody off to jail. You know, like, you have to be, you have to have a rigorous system uh, so that you're not convicting innocent people. Right, so the the article uh, points to this uh, multiple studies that have been done by the authors. It says they asked people, which of the following errors at trial do you believe causes more harm to society? One, erroneously convicting an innocent person. Two, failing to convict a guilty person. Or three, the errors are equally bad. Most respondents answered that the errors were equally bad. Our first results showing widespread rejection of the Blackstone ratio were so surprising and potentially disruptive that we tested their robustness multiple times using a series of large samples drawn from the entire United States population and multiple measurement methods. Across multiple national surveys sampling more than 12,000 people, which, uh, reminder, uh, a halfway decent survey is of like 1,100 people with a, a margin of error. That, that'll give you a margin of error if, the, if it's a, a, a correct population sample of 3.5 points, right? right? It could go either way, 3.5 points. That's just 1,100 people. They did uh, more than 10 times that. They talked to 12,000 people. We have found that a majority of Americans, more than 60%, consider false acquittals and false convictions to be equally bad outcomes. 
Most people are not Blackstonians. They are unwilling to err on the side of letting the guilty go free to avoid convicting the innocent. Indeed, a sizable minority viewed false acquittals as worse than false convictions. This group is willing to convict multiple innocent persons to avoid letting one guilty person go free. You would not want those people on your jury if you were charged with a crime. Neither would those people, right? None of the people who subscribe to that theory would want them to be in, in that jury. I bring this up in relation to our uh, earlier conversation in a bad faith attempt to prove that, Abe, you have no principles or morals whatsoever. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> no. It's just that the, the, the same thing that informs my reaction to the, the Blackstone formulation is the same thing, at least in my head, that informs my reaction to what's going on here with this this video in, out of San Francisco, which is that I think it's it would be if it if it were the case that this security guard was acting as he says he was acting right if if we give him that possibility that he did have this reasonable fear that he was about to be stabbed that it would be a travesty it would be a a, a, a severe miscarriage of justice for him to spend three years or 10 years or 20 years in prison uh, because of his actions that day. That doesn't mean that I think that his actions were correct or justifiable or that there isn't some very serious uh, moral weight to the action that he took. Uh, I think all of those things. Uh, So how would you feel then about reading my philosophy homework and talking about that uh, yeah, I think that uh, we will, in fact, do that. Because I'm having uh, – I'm very bad at reading. Oh. So I was hoping that you could read and just tell but me what it says. Lori's taking – I was going to talk about this in a few minutes here. Uh, yeah, but it ties into this justice thing that you're on to, and it is late, and I am tired. Yeah, we're, so, we're, we're wrapping up here. Uh, yeah. Abe – is the thing that I just brought up the the Blackstone connection here? Is that does that do anything uh, to your way of thinking about uh, what we've been discussing? Tonight? No, because no, because my, my <laughs> I, I think the 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 issue is that you are accepting as fact what he's saying. I don't think I am accepting as possible, right? And what, in, and and maybe maybe even probable, right? I, maybe. May, there's a there's a benefit of the doubt calculation happening here. I'm not accepting it as fact. Right. I'm accepting it as highly plausible based on all of the information we have with the possible exception of my first blush at the video, right? And that 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 was important in my understanding of this, which is that my immediate visceral reaction to watching the video was that something catastrophically wrong had been done by the security guard but upon thinking about it upon reflecting on the information that is not contained in that video which to me crucially is the audio like the 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 complete lack of audio makes it much more difficult to get a full picture of what's going on in that in that store there and then having read through the da's argument and and acknowledging that it is an argument that he is trying to sell me something i i come down on the side that it would be wrong for this person to spend time in prison, uh, given the things that we don't know. Right, and 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 all I'm saying is my, my take on on the video and reading through the the justification uh, is that 
there, there were opportunities aplenty to de-escalate on the part of the security guard. There was a disregard for life, and that's enough to at least take it to court. Now, I'm not – if they acquit him, that's fine. But, like, just saying we're not going to prosecute sends a message that this is not even close. Like, this is like, well, whatever. That's what you get. You reap what you sow or whatever statement people want to throw out there, and this is going to make things worse. It, I'm just saying, like, don't be so cavalier about incidents like this because what message are you sending when you're not even looking Right, and I will make the case. reactionary Fox News point without hopefully being too reactionary or Fox News-like, which is to say, what message are you sending by prosecuting this guy with uh, second-degree murder or something like that or, or, or unlawful homicide in some way? Because the I evidence is pointing towards that. I mean, that's kill people. We are a nation of laws, after all, right? You have to. Okay, but if you're going, if you're going to say that a message is being sent right. by failing to prosecute here, and that message arguably is, uh, "Don't fucking shoplift in our city, uh, you bums," or we'll then, kill you. Like that. That would be the message, right? I mean, we're gonna kill you because you stole some. Pro- Again, I'm not for stealing, right? But these are not of equal it's a disproportionate response to the crime to just right but them. all i'm saying is that the that that an argument can be made i think reasonably so that 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 prosecuting this uh to the maximum extent uh possible in a way that chase Boudin might have would instead result in uh, another message being sent which is it's open season and anybody who interferes with uh a robbery or a theft in some way is going to be vulnerable to to prosecution himself, right? right? That that the act of physically assaulting someone because they are in the act of stealing something from your store itself is frowned upon, and therefore uh, it it sends the message that uh, shoplifting is just fine. Right, and I, I I mean I think that's a ridiculous argument because again you had opportunities to not shoot like all the other stuff is fine. Like the engagement and the physical altercation, right? And I and for me, like I just can't get past the fact that yes, he had every opportunity to not shoot had he been in complete command of all of the relevant facts at the time. But that is an impossible standard to put onto that person's head. And yeah, I mean, there are whatever. I think I think that we are at 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 the impasse that we expected to be at with this conversation, and that's fine. Uh, there's no point in arguing it further into the do ground you, at this point. Do you I don't think, think. – uh, not, not, not that anybody would want to admit that the hope is that this deters uh, this sort of thing. But do you think that there's going to be a decrease of like these kind of cavalier crimes like where people just waltz in with a security guard there? Like, no. I think generally speaking anecdotes like this have much less of a narrative impact than people give them credit for and people largely just walk around doing whatever it is that people do right. uh, <laughs> with their lives. And this sort of thing uh, works at best on the absolute margins of like some fucking idiot teen uh, maybe deciding not to – fucking steal the game boy or whatever like right. i don't know right. Prob- no is is my answer to that question all right so uh as laurie suggested she is in fact uh taking an intro to ethics class which is very similar in its reading assignments as my introductory ethics class was way back Why wouldn't in it be? 2002 or something no it makes perfect sense uh that it is she's she's read uh, the euthyphro 
uh, the the Platonic uh, Socratic dialogue by Plato, uh, in which uh, Socrates has an argument just before he goes. Uh, the Socrates person is a dick. <laughs> he's he's discussing with this other individual. He's an on purpose. Uh, Dick. Can we define piety and and how does piety relate to justice? And they come to a rather unsatisfactory conclusion, uh, yeah, which is skip to the end. The answer is no. Which is one of befuddlement. We cannot. And it's an incredibly as though it's sort of one of the lesser uh, Socratic dialogues, by my memory, uh, in terms of uh, being something enjoyable to read. It's not particularly. It it's is, not because I, it's horribly written. Sure, I understand why it is used, though, in a as as among the very first things that you read uh, from Plato and Socrates, which is because it ultimately ends with a sort of shrug. Uh, ah, maybe we can't actually fucking know any of this shit, and you should be less confident in. But they don't like shake hands and be friends. All right, Lori. <laughs> Lori is asking for there to be uh, not only no. Uh, answers or consequences, but no stakes or no uh, interesting no, characters I I involved want, either. As long as we're not going to have somebody, some conclusion, we might as well go like, oh, well, look, we learned something together today. Yeah, Instead, except it's that, like, well, well, fuck you. Well, fuck you, too. Except that that guy is like, I fucking know all this shit and fuck you, Socrates. And Socrates mm-hmm. is like, uh, not so sure about that guy. Uh, why don't you uh, define literally anything that you're saying here? Um, anyway, uh, I do want to do like philosophy class with Abe slash Laurie here, uh, for the next few weeks. So I'll make sure that there are philosophy class with Abe for Laurie. There's, uh, she's got the Yuti Fro. We've got, I'll send you my, I'll send you the thing. She's reading, uh, parts of the Republic, uh, the Nicomachean ethics. It's rough. Uh, there's some good stuff in there. There isn't. And so I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, one other thing, uh, Lori keeps asking if we're going to talk about ice cream, and obviously, no, we, no, 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 no. I want to go to bed. Yet. No, I know. <laughs> and I want to invite. I haven't yet invited Mark Gillig uh, to join us for that conversation, but I very much believe that he would have interesting things to say about academia and, uh, and the, ice cream, the okay. nature of scientific studies and confidence in those studies. And uh, the the fact of science being done and how much of one's preconceived notions about one's conclusions can go into uh, the interpretation of your findings. And I think that he would be useful to have as part of that conversation. I have not yet extended that invitation to him. Does he listen Uh, to the show? I have no idea if he listens to the show or not, actually. Uh, I know Jerry does, so maybe Jerry will hear this and then bother Mark. Do you have his his number? Yeah, yeah. I texted him him from time to time. You could... You don't have to ask your podcast to tell Jerry to ask. I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm, okay. The reason we haven't yet discussed. This is how do this is why the world is the way it is. It's because of you men being this way. It's right we haven't here. discussed the ice cream stuff just yet. Ask because I think Mark has relevant uh, information to or, or opinions at least to bestow upon that. Okay. Well, I'm open to getting many ice creams to make sure which is best. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com for a show note, which will include uh, links to both the DA's report and also that fucking Faces of Death video that Abe sent me at 730 this morning (laughs) while I was trying to enjoy my Wordle. 
you son of a bitch. <laughs> the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig, tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I, I did. Actually, had we recorded on Monday, I would not have. I didn't have time to watch it last week, but I probably should have just skipped this week because uh, it's between that Guardians movie and uh, Fast yeah, 10. Yeah, did That's you cry? <laughs> I thought you I saw know. Guardians 3 last week, right? Yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy was out like a week or two ago, and then like Fast 10 is coming out this week, and there was no like major release in between. Right? Gotcha. And so I went to go see this movie that I'm sure no one's heard of. It's called Hypnotic. It stars Ben Affleck. It was one of these uh, release dump uh, movies where there's like almost no advertisement for it. Like I just saw it right. on my app, like this Ben Affleck has a new movie. And I'm like, all right, how bad can it be? Right. One, one of these, we already dumped $35 million right. into this piece of shit. Yes. And throwing another $35 million at it. Isn't going to do the right. trick. Take the so loss. Just put and, it you know, out there. It, it crashed and burned. I think it made like $2 million, if that. Like very bad showing, but it makes sense because they did no advertising. And there's a reason for it. Uh, the movie is just awful. Like it's called Hypnotic. It's about some cockamamie hypnosis scheme. Like, you know, Ben Affleck is a hypnotist and his wife is one and his kid is one. And some big evil entity wants to like weaponize their kids' hypnosis because apparently they're very strong because the parents are like strong or some bullshit. And so the whole movie is that like Ben Affleck trying to protect some kid, his kid. Uh, and like it's a 90 minute movie, and like 40 minutes of it is explaining why the things are happening. Like there's way too much like exposition where they're just like explaining every single this thing. This is directed. This is a Robert Rodriguez yeah, movie. This yeah. is a legitimate director. I, what happened? I, I saw the star. I saw the director. I was like, how bad could it be? It was fairly bad. Uh, just, just, a, just a bad movie. Sixty-five. So my guess, thirty-five million dollars is wrong. Cost sixty-five million dollars to make. No way. It made sixty. It made two two point three million dollars <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> By the way. There is no sixty-five million. Some in small the number of which were your dollars. <laughs> I was like maybe like like part of like ten people in that theater. Very like very bad showing. Probably one of the busiest screens, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> only two million dollars made. The, the people that were in my theater were enjoying it. You know, I, I always find these. What's the math on that? So it's, I see two point. <laughs> Let me do the math real quick. It's $2.35 million divided by 2,100 screens. It was $1,100 per screen that they made. <laughs> Probably three showings per screen per day. Not great. No, but again, it's uh, not a good movie, so it's going to come and go. All right. Well, we'll look forward to skipping that one when it auto plays on the Netflix uh, in a few months here. Let's see. I've been playing uh, the new Zelda game after baseball this week. Uh, Nintendo released uh, Tears of the Kingdom, the the sequel follow-up to the 2017 Smash uh, success Zelda game called Breath of the Wild. Uh, It is every bit as wonderful as Breath of the Wild, and possibly even more so. I, I don't know how they do it, the most impressive thing to me about 
this Zelda game uh, here, just a, a couple of hours of gameplay in, is the extent to which everything just fucking works. And it works in a way that, like, the the top-line Nintendo games almost always work. And you just sort of have to figure out what the like how mario moves in this particular iteration and then it always just fucking works and it has never been the case that on playstation or xbox or other video games that i've played that aren't top line nintendo games they might be on nintendo system but they're not nintendo's like a-list effort shit doesn't always fucking work like it, it, it. You want the character to do the thing, yeah. and he doesn't fucking do the thing. Uh, or, or like, I play the Spider-Man game on the PlayStation Five, which is actually a really good game, and and it's really well done. But sometimes, like, fucking Spidey, just the physics of it just don't work. Like, and and the computer has to catch up, and the input that you're doing doesn't quite translate precisely the way you want it to to what's happening on the screen. Right. With the Zelda game. It all just fucking works, and the physics of it all makes sense, and they now have given you the ability to take any two objects in the game and fuse them together and make an entirely new object. You can build uh, crazy wild contraptions with basically all of the materials that you see in the game, and, and you can you – can, this is this giant sandbox that you can do almost anything your imagination will allow you to do. Uh, and it all still fucking works. That's inconceivable to me how that is even possible to allow for one of hundreds of different weapons to be fused with one of hundreds or many, many hundreds of different materials in this game and for each of them to have specific physical rules of how they interact in this in this in-game universe and for it to always fucking work. And that's the thing that I, my mind is just utterly blown by. And also, it's so much fun. Like if you like the the previous game, go get this game. Don't even think about it. Of course, I'm telling, I'm preaching to the, con, to the converted. This game sold uh, nearly a billion dollars. What? They've they, they've sold they've sold everybody bought it. Ten million Holy copies of this game shit. in in the first week of launch at seventy dollars a pop. So it's seventy seven hundred million dollars in revenue wow. in one week. Of this video game being out, and I'm sitting there watching Hypnotic. You get in this Zelda racket. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's good. I can't. I don't think I'm going to be able to play it. I don't think I'm smart enough. You are smart enough. You have uh, you have all of the smarts necessary no. to to read both Plato and also play Zelda, just like your dumb husband. Uh, so that's what, that's what I've been doing while Lori reads her her Plato and complains about it. And uh, it's just bad. Yeah, I'm not. I, I will not abide you talking trash about. I'm not talking the trash. Text. I said you could do it better. The text. I'm just. I'm complimenting you when I said that you could write this better. I think it should all be rewritten. The texts that are among the literal foundations for all of Western civilization. You want to listen to old blues, or do you want to listen to the Rolling Stones? You want to listen to the Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones are you don't old want to blues. listen to old What are you gar- talking about? No, before that. I want to listen to a new Queens of the Stone Age record. That's what I want to listen still to. Still making music? Okay. Or do you want to listen to like early 1900s blues guitar with an old man groaning? Like that's, that's what this is. I also would like to listen to that sometimes. Some old Robert Johnson stuff is good stuff. Uh, we watched Succession. That was really the only uh, oh, boy, piece of pop culture episode. that we watched. We watched something. What else? What, what, what was it? What the fuck did we? We no, we watched Bullet Train. Oh yeah, we watched oh, Bullet Train. Oh, it was Train. so good. Loved Bullet Train. 
Bullet Train was on Netflix oh, has been Brad for a little Pitt while. Oh, Company? Yeah. Yeah. That's a disappointing movie. That's no, a movie that's not it was great. nearly as clever or fun as it like feels like it should have been. Uh, and I suppose I'm complaining about something that wasn't made. <laughs> the uh, uh, My only recollection of movies nowadays is just like how the crowd was. And the crowd really was into that movie. Like I remember It was the- so fun. It was fine. What, what, it was what cute. People, what do you want from things? I want it to be fucking great. You know what it wasn't? It, it was not nearly as transformative or entertaining or awesome as Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels was, right? And that's sort of the that's sort of the mode that's going I liked on it there. More. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels uh, blows this movie out of the no, water. that one was sad. Uh, as much fun as... And some degree of fun was had, uh, fine. I, I think... Uh, this shouldn't be a complaint because it's a movie and you have to kind of let some things slide. But whenever they do like a like train derailment or like there's like a big thing where there's no way you could possibly survive. And like they, they come out of it no, like almost fine. unscathed. It's just like, come on, like just hold on to something right. or do like it just seems like ridiculous. Like all the, of the all of the relevant parties, not not just one. <laughs> But Everybody. everyone continues to survive incredibly lethal situations unless they're a henchman or a, right. or a no-name extra. Yeah, right? It's a classic plot armor. Uh, but yeah, also Succession. And Shiv finally got fucking called oh, out man. for being the most duplicitous person on that show. <laughs> they're always like running neck and neck. Like everybody's like tied for like worse. No. But like Shiv had- No one is as... Like says one thing, does yeah. another, as she is. Right. They're all they all are terrible. And, well, but no one is quite as says one thing, does another, as her. Fucking, and it's been four years of this, and I'm so glad she finally got caught. Fucking women, am I right? <laughs> she, you know what's what's interesting about Shiv is that she's not adept at all, like at like trying to like win somebody over, like to do their bidding. Like it's almost like. You're gonna do this, or like trying to order people around, and it doesn't seem to always work. And she'll put herself in sure to fail situations where I'm gonna pretend to call somebody. Like, wasn't one of the possibilities that there would be a follow up call to say, "Yep, are you sure?" Well, no. she's she screwed you up. At me? Finally, something. This is, by the way, this is not just this episode, but Shiv has had an all time awful sequence of episodes, just like. Marriage is falling apart. Like uh, she's getting cut out of the whole CEO thing. That is of her own doing. She, yeah, a lot of this stuff. But it's still, I mean, like just her decision making. When I was watching this, I know this is not something other people would uh, agree with, but her decision making was like Peyton Manning in the playoffs level bad. Like it was just terrible, just the whole way, just bad choice right. after bad choice. Kendall. Uh, as arrogant and and sort of uh, convinced of his own superiority generally uh, as he might be, has also within him a sort of crucial humanizing humility uh, because of the abuse that he suffered at the hands of his father, right? Like he doesn't buy his own bullshit a lot of the time. Shiv thinks that she's the smartest person in, in the room uh, and doesn't really doubt that she's the smartest person in the room, but can't even corral Kendall, can't even manipulate right. one of the most easily manipulated people uh, imaginable. I mean, she did and make a, a, an attempt, and it was kind of like an out-of-bounds attempt, you know, where, like, trying to invoke some sort of family thing, like, you're not a shitty, obviously shitty father that he is, like, just to kind of, like, 
win him over. So it's, it's like she's made attempts to kind of like win somebody over and it doesn't work. Right. Also, so this is this is my, maybe it's a I shouldn't be complaining about the writing of the show. I should just be talking about the show that we have in front of us. But what is Shiv's? Why is she so stupid in that moment as to not place a real phone call? So some because what what is the what is the harm in talking to Nate and being like Nate, man, they're gonna hand it to Mencken here. Unless you can tell me that you'll try to put the brakes on this deal. You tell me that you'll try to put the brakes on this deal. And yes, this is icky, but fucking welcome to the world. Uh, you try to put the brakes on this deal. And obviously, like to me, it's super obvious that a, uh, uh, a Democratic administration could justify not wanting to allow the sale of the the right-wing media empire to a foreign investor, right? right? Even though we don't care for uh, the the Fox News equivalent in this universe, we don't want it being sold to a bunch of fucking Nordics. Like, that's not not good either. So, like, to me, why didn't she just make the fucking phone call? You make that call, you try to get some sort of language of concession out of him anyway right. to save the day right. not just to save your own ass right. but to save the day yeah that that i'm not sure what uh the reason was i, I read somewhere like online that she was conflicted because uh, uh like even though like for democracy or whatever nonsense she was professing uh she would want uh the other guy to win uh like this would have screwed up her deal and that's why she didn't call but i didn't that story didn't track. Like, I mean, it, she wants... It doesn't track because then you just turn around a week later and you're like, yeah, fucking forget that. Like, yeah, right. if if I want Matson to take over, then yeah, you call him back and you're like, no, right. like that wasn't a thing. Right. But like in the moment, the smart thing to do there is to try to get Nate to give that concession over the phone. Right. And I, I just, I can't you, get past you, that. That's bad writing. Do you in my think? Opinion. Do you think it, it it speaks to just her state of mind? I mean, they're all in a kind of diminished capacity, almost like you know, uh, talking about poker earlier, like on tilt. You know, like because even though this is happening over like a couple of months that we're watching it in their universe, this is just a few days since their old man died, right? This is all happening, right? Except Roman. Roman is the one who's not operating on tilt at all. Roman appears to be in full command but, of uh, okay. his limited capacity. Even him, like his uh, tilt towards this fascist, like uh, Bozo, right? Uh, you don't think like that he's kind of like just grasping? I think he's kind of like spiraling. I think Shiv just didn't want to feel weak. Right. He's kind of reacting to something. I mean, he's erratic, like with the fire rings, like Jerry's not going to sue him, like the, the person sending dick pics to. Uh, and then, like, he's kind of tilting, like, I mean, it's already, like, a conservative media outlet, but there, apparently there's, like, a firewall, the way that initially they're, like, you shouldn't be down here to, like, tell us how to report the election coverage. But he's going there saying, you know, it could have been anybody who burned that Democratic-leaning right. district thing, like, you know— Having that guy, his uh, attack dog, going on on television, like he's doing all of these things to force an outcome that he wants, and like I don't think he's like he's like some like uh, like sober-minded person. He's kind of like reacting to things too. I think they're all a little off because of just what's going on, and they're kind of like fucking yeah. up, you know, like like yeah. It's been a- and I think that it's to the extent that. Roman is reading the whole situation wrong. Him declaring that Mencken has won Wisconsin and therefore the presidency, 
doesn't actually make it happen. Right. It only creates the conditions on the ground for chaos to right. happen. And in the event that in the likely event that the Democrat ends up winning after all uh, in the in the real world of the show, he won't have gained anything. Right. right? Like the then the like you will have attached yourself to a horse that uh, was never in the barn in the first place. So also, it, how awful was that to watch an election night when it's not our election right. night? It, it was. Ugh. Right? Weirdly disconcerting in a way that I didn't expect. Like in a in a like why why am I being subjected to this? Oh God! In, oh God! In May, without two years of proper buildup and girding myself, and possibly ensconcing myself in fucking Orlando, in in literally in Disney World, so that I don't have to see the real world for the week around the election. Make that a yearly thing. I'm into it. Uh, yeah, it should be like a four year tradition, you know. Just- it was strangely sort of. I mean, I don't want to use the, the Kevin Smith language of of, of trauma, trauma and, and it was, harm. It was, uh, but it was it was it, it rung that bell uh, certainly. Right, and it's, and it's interesting. And it's how not even real. All of the <laughs> main people that we've uh, come to loathe, like all the main actors, they're just so careless about like whatever. Because like they're like they're not going to face any consequence either direction. They're still going to be rich. They're still going to be living their lives. And they're just like, whatever. Like, they probably, none of them probably even voted, right? Like, they're just like, ah, who cares? Also, the New York Times finally did an actual article about the lack of food eaten on the show. Oh, they noticed it. Yes, finally. A legitimate publication talked about, like, Eating on the show is rare, and when it's done, it's the sign of weakness. It's huh. I'm someone did it. I didn't right. have to. Yeah, like uh, Tom is often commenting on other people's eating habits as though they're sort of disgusting and beneath the class of uh, the sort of person that he would like to associate himself with. Right. Uh, so it, it seems yeah. like all of these people. It's not like it's going to stop with Shiv. Like she's she's in a very uh, weak position now. Although like the way the episode ended, like she's got I guess one more uh, angle. Uh, but like the last, there's going to be one more episode and then the finale. The, so two more episodes and the the, the two s- more episodes. Only two more days, right? So yeah. this was on a Tuesday. We've got Logan's funeral on a Wednesday, and then whatever happens on. Thursday. Right. So it's going to be weird that we're seemingly we won't have any resolution of the election storyline because right. this is something that will be dragged out in the course. So we're not there's not going to be some epilogue, presumably, where we find out what happens, uh, <laughs> whether or not the country burns. I mean, since it's, and well, I suppose that's all beside the point. Right. But since there are just two more episodes, I know they said the last episode is going to be a 90 minute length uh, long. Yeah. episode, But there's not enough time to kind of like do like a January 6th thing, like the run-up to like... that's Memorial Day, isn't it? What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is yeah, that weekend, yeah. Um, like, yeah, you, you would think like the... Just to kind of f- speed up the process of like this uh, ATN or whatever got it wrong. Like, it seems like they're trending in that direction where their call is going to be seen as premature and they fucked it up and it's going to create chaos, blah, blah, blah. For that to be true, there's got to be some sort of quick resolution to that precinct to say, actually... We preserve, like you know, kind of right. The the ballots were in a fireproof right. box or something, something like, like that, that. and right. they counted like, it, and then the lead went the other way, and it was clear. And now they look right. like, and then like all this, because they're gonna be, they're gonna like start that good meme with the running the football runner, uh, the football runner. Yep. What? 
the funny one from last year, the the ballots, oh, the absentee right. ballots. The, it was funny. The, it was football. He caught the guy up to was him. Tackled. Yeah, I think it was yes. like one of those. Like, it, remember? Uh, it was the Falcons, I think. What? Well, yeah, it was like yeah, somebody like caught up like some Arizona Cardinal, and it was like basically like same yeah. day votes, and then the mail in votes, like the lead right, 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 right. switched or whatever. But it'll be like uh, that. Great podcast moment just now. <laughs> whatever I said, it was late half an hour ago. This is what happens. But uh, <laughs> your bed's right upstairs, lady. So is yours. <laughs> but but, but real quick, I, I think that the there's gonna there's gonna have to be like throwing each other under the bus like who made the decision to make the call like that guy from like uh breaking bad gray matter guy like that was like i don't know why he would yeah. want to inject himself into like i'll go and explain this away don't do that stay away from the cameras like don't try to explain this mess like they're gonna try to get it maybe it'll be that wom's gone that tom guy like maybe somebody's gonna get like this person decided to jump the gun uh, right. Well, they 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 seeded that in the in the near closing moments of the show where they showed uh, footage from the the CNN like competitor. The, the oh, PGN. that's right. Yeah, because they're doing a they, hit they piece put on Tom's it. picture yeah. on the television, and they're like, he personally that's right. made this call, and so it's obvious that uh, I guess Tom will be the fall guy but, here. But that means somebody uh, in the circle fed that information. Let's say it was Tom. Like somebody threw him under the bus. Right, not necessarily even in the circle, but definitely, uh, definitely somewhere in probably, inside of ATM. Probably Roman, like you know, because he's the one that actually was pushing for it, so he could throw his uh, right. Tom, his brother. In uh, credit to the I, I dumped on the writers earlier for the Shiv stuff, but credit to them for creating a believable uh, election night catastrophe that could that could lead to this sort of scenario. Right. Like uh, a lot of times when you. Like, if I ever read a story about the fucking pizza business, I'm like, well, that's fucking all wrong, right? What like, stories they, do you read uh, about pizza business? I don't know. You read something about, like, how franchising works in, in, in oh, Domino's okay. or Papa John's or something. It's like, ah, uh, it's not yeah. – this is not it, there's a there's a term for it. There's a term of art for it that I can't quite remember. But anytime you read a story about something that you are intimately familiar with, you like Lori, if you read a story about uh life as a hairdresser in a in a college town, you'd be like, ah, this is all fucking bullshit. Uh uh somebody like myself who's intimately familiar or imagines myself to be uh, uh well read on election news matters, uh this read as a believable right. scenario. Plausible. And, yeah. And it was it was fun to watch, certainly. It wasn't fun to watch, but it was, it was not, it was awful. It was an entertaining it was a good hour of TV, as Roman says at the end of, yes. the, uh, of the episode. Abe, you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. I don't know what the initial sales pitch is, but I know when it doesn't go, like, she'll scream something. Oh, the white man something, or... <laughs> Like some weird thing like that, but like very so loud. You so won't, that pay, you won't pay twenty dollars for these fucking stupid yes. beads, and now you're uh, white supremacist. <laughs> and these people are almost always people from like out of uh, the su- you know like the suburbs. Right, they or come. Like they town. come to the Beltline yeah. to do a thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just the same. And nobody says anything. Like nobody ever like, 
Hey, uh, cool it with a thing. I mean, this is actually there's no like actual formal process. It's not like there are like vendor spots you gotta like register right. for. People just post up anywhere. So like, this person just posts up at like a prime spot, and just if she doesn't make the sale, and you gotta you get her. On, way, you gotta make her TikTok famous. You gotta get video <laughs> of this sales technique. She's a little scary. Have you seen anybody uh, get called a vicious, awful white man and then like fork over twenty dollars out of guilt? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Most people, when they when it uh, registers, what's happening? Because there's a bit of a delay. Like everybody just kind of like having fun, just walking about. Nobody, there's no like tension. Right. And out of the blue, this person just says it, and you're like, it takes a second for them to register it, and then they don't confront. They just all right. Let's just let's just move on. I don't know what this person's about, but let's just move on. I forgot to check on Strassman this week. I might not, might get a double dip next week on Strassman. He did something with like a rapper or something. Not that like it was a couple of months ago, and I like I watched it three times because I like unbelieving that he didn't even try. Like I don't know if he was scared or something, but like there was there was one particular one that was like an incredible wealth of opportunity, and it was nothing. And it was Nothing something. I think it was it. because there was a there was a big cultural, like when he did the rednecks in Kentucky at the bourbon mill or whatever or that whatever oh, sad right, yeah. town he goes to. It's like <laughs> fucking letting the puns fly. That's but right. it's a, a culture he's not accustomed to. I think he he feel he feels he's got to rein himself in. Do you think it's that or like the, there's a filtering process with one of the producers? Like maybe not so many puns on this one. And no, like, oh, this is bullshit. The first one makes sense to me. I think Strassman's self-aware enough. Just like you don't want to, yeah, you can't be fully yourself when you're not in your own place. Like, you pun too hard in front of like a uh, an African American rapper, and you might accidentally slip into dialect or something. <laughs> it's not a not a good thing for your your prospects as a senior national news correspondent. <laughs> He's like, I'm so close to retirement. I'm not going to say anything to rock any book. Just yeah. stupid stories. The proceeding was created with 100 percent human content.